You want to see more of it? Encourage it. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the Virtue Signal. I'm Alfonso Rachel with my buddy Bill Whittle. Man, let us go on with our deep dive into establishing what real virtue is and not be controlled about what virtue is by what these perverts think. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, the, the word on the street is, is um, or the question on the street is, are we in a civil war? And um, now, me, at first, I lean toward uh, yes, uh, maybe the cold portion of it, if you mm -hmm. will. Uh, I lean towards that. But <clears throat> it's not so much the, the, the are we in a civil war or not. Uh, angle that I've, I've I've spoken about, you know, that on on my other uh, um, commentaries. Um, but why? What's what's at the root of? Uh, and this this takes on different things, uh, not just a civil war, you know, or or in terms of uh, what's going on culturally, what's going on uh, politically, and things like that. What's at the root of it? And we've talked about, you know, pride, definitely pride. Uh, we talk about, you know, these insecurities. And as I say, pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin, these things that are happening uh, with us. Um, and fear, which, which, which is an aspect of insecurity in itself. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, the reason why I want to touch on these things is because the fear that's being stoked and, and how it's being done and, and people being given over to fear. And it's like, it's like fear porn. People want to tune That's in. That's exactly what it is. Fear yes. porn. Yes. The, the, the addiction to sensationalism and, and the, the, the push towards indignant being gaslit, you know, and, and the, uh, the sanctimonious prejudice that's in it while trying to accuse somebody else of being prejudiced or bigots. Or, and these people find this, um, this self-righteousness and being so prejudiced themselves, but I, at the same time believing that they're they're above it. And the sad part of it is is uh, and we we touched on this in the last episode, and and, and it's, I, I still think it's relevant, and it's something that we really want to we want to use uh, to be able to make these things happen. Is is this area this this line of defense this mechanism that we really need to tap into to run interference on that. You know, it's worked for them to spread so much poison to lead us to a point. I mean, are we at where we're asking? Hey, are we in the middle of a civil war? And this and it needs to be stopped. If this if this ball is rolling, it needs to be stopped. And there's a way to do it. I mean, I'm hoping that it's not too late. I hope it's not one of those things where, you know, the doctor told you, hey, uh, you're going to have to stop doing this or else this is going to get worse. Oh, come on, doc. It ain't that bad. I'll do what I want. You know, you're, you're, you, you need to lighten up. And then they come back and say, hey, man, we're going to have to amputate, you know, something. And, it, and it's like. Oh, no, I wasn't. Sorry, man. It's too late. I tried to tell you. I hope we're not there, you know, where we're going to have to start amputating some things. Um, but they've shown us what they've done to cast this spell over, over the Republic and how they've done so much damage. And it's just someplace where we need to be to run interference and see if we can tilt that back the other way to a nominal degree of friction that just life actually has without tilting it to where we're just in overheat. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, um, when, when, when 
so the the direct answer to to are we in a civil war? The answer is no. Um, and the reason the answer is no is because actual civil war involves people's heads turning into pink mist and bayoneting a 16-year-old kid in the middle of a muddy trench and, and, and burning houses. And that's what actual war looks like. So we can – sometimes when we say things like we're in a civil war, we're really over-dramatizing the situation we're in because it needs to be constantly said that the horrors of war are on an entirely different plane. And, and so on some level – just the fact that we can be seriously calling this a war is an indication of how far away from actual war we really are. Um, now, I do like the idea, and I do think that we are certainly in a, 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 a cold civil war. You know, during the Cold War, we fought the Soviet Union for almost 50 years, but I, I can think maybe of two or three minor exceptions. During that 50 years of conflict, Russians and Americans never shot at each other. We got other people to shoot at the Russians. They got other people to shoot at us, but we never shot at each other. So there we were for 50 years living under a threat of, of, of civilizational extinction. Just the levels of fear in the Cold War were just so extreme. You're probably a little young for this, but I know for a certain fact people my age, when, when I was 16, 17, I would think about what I was going to do when I was 25 or 30. And I remember saying, I'm not going to live to 25 or 30. None of us are going to live to 25 or 30. So that's the fear porn at work. Uh, I think the current the current civil war, cold civil war that we're in, is a cultural civil war, obviously, and like the original civil war, ultimately, and like all wars, it comes down to when the very very last brass brass tack is hammered. War comes down to a difference of opinion. That's that's what it comes down to. The civil war was fought because some people thought that slaves were property, and some people thought that slaves were people. And that's why the Civil War was fought. And as we said last time, you can make the states' rights argument all you want to, and that's fine. And yes, I'm aware of what the federal government has become since the Civil War. But when you say it's a question of states' rights, it's a question of a state's rights to own slaves. Are they property or are they people? If you own slaves and your livelihood is based on that and you view them as property, that's something you'll fight for. If you don't, then you've got free people who are suffering in bondage, and this is the, the, the biggest moral sin available, and, and, and you have an obligation to fight that too. And so there you go. Um, the reason that I don't think we're ever going to get to that point in terms of a shooting war here is, first of all, because we, you know, we talk constantly, though, about how much societies become softer. And, and most of the time when we talk about that, it means more depraved, more you know, uh, perverted and all the rest of it. So I'm not walking any of that back. But it has also become a much more gentle society. And, and, and in that regard, that's something to really be proud of, right? I mean, they used to kick dogs in the street just for fun, tie, tie tin cans to the tails of cats, ha ha, set them on fire, what a, what a riot. So, so I, I don't see any possibility of a shooting war. What I do, and the main reason for that is, is that the, in fact, the reason that I don't think we're gonna get into a shooting war is pretty much exactly the reason that we did get into a shooting war with the, with the actual civil war. And that is geography. Because of the nature of cotton, because of how that plant is biologically wired, there were parts of the country where you could grow cotton and that meant having slaves meant that there was a big personal investment in you. You had a very good reason for wanting to look at those people as property because in the South, you could grow cotton and get rich doing it. You couldn't grow cotton in the North. It's easy to be an abolitionist in the North 
because you never held slaves and you couldn't have held slaves, there's no incentive for you to hold slaves. I'm not saying the abolitionist position was wrong. Obviously, on the contrary, that's it's any person with a with any sense of morality would feel that way. But when I say that societies become gentler, we become gentler in 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 every way. Uh, we don't have the geographical divide. When the, when the first civil war started, all of the people who were in favor of slavery, which basically meant the Democratic Party, left Washington, went down to Richmond, set up shop. And, and took, basically took the Democratic Party out of the Union and, and, and formed the Confederacy because they had an opinion about what, what slaves were. And Lincoln fought to put the Union back together because he had an opinion about what slaves were. And that's what happened. We don't have that. There's no Mason-Dixon line between Republicans and Democrats, between liberals and conservatives. If there was, we would have separated a long time ago. And then you could have actually talked about a shooting war, which would have been over in about three and a half minutes. Uh, because they're a bunch of weenies and guns scare the hell out of them. Um, and, and that's why, thank God, we got the guns. Um, but, but really, I think the core of this issue is a difference of opinion. And the problem is, is that because the internet is capable of tailoring what it shows you to your already expressed preferences, the internet is driving us deeper and deeper and deeper into our own echo chambers, feeding us what we want to hear. And Facebook especially, I've done a fair amount of research on this. Facebook found that, that people stay on Facebook longer, which is what Facebook wants, if they get stuff that agitates them. They will, they will click on stuff that makes them angry. And so they've got a financial reason to continue to separate these parts. And, and just one last thing I'll add before, before I get your take on this. And that is simply this, you know, you, you mentioned disease before. Uh, I think that I think that progressive ideas are a disease. I think all of the perversion and all of the degradation and all of it, I think it's I think it's a disease. And and here's the problem that one of many problems that concerns me. When you're fighting uh, disease and when you're fighting something that is so awful and so destructive to the things you love, that disease can infect you. And I'm seeing that. Um, I'm seeing that among conservatives. I've been seeing it for a while. We've been at war so long with these awful, awful, awful ideas that are destroying the most beautiful thing that's ever happened on this earth. And, and we're right to hate the ideas. But I am concerned that we have gotten to the point where any acknowledgement of, of humanity or, or decency or, or, or generosity, wisdom, anything, any acknowledgement of it on the other side provokes this, oh, so you're a traitor too kind of reaction, right? That's, that, that's, a, that's a disease, guys. That means we're, we're infected with the disease that we're trying to fight. They're the ones with the absolutist opinions. We are the ones who should not only have uh, the um, ability to, uh, to recognize that sometimes people we disagree with do good things and we disagree with them for a lot of other things. And this kind of reflexive kind of, okay, you're dead to me now because, you know, because of this. So, so we did a right angle on this exact topic uh, where uh, Sonia Sotomayor, who I completely disagree with, uh, had a very, very, very and lengthy kind thing to say about Clarence Thomas. She said, I don't agree with him, but he's, he's the kindest man I've met, and he, and he um, knows the name of everybody in the building, and sang his praises. And during the right angle, we said, good for you, Sonia. You've gone up a good deal in my estimation. I haven't read the comments yet, so, but, but I know for a certain fact, some people will be saying, I can't believe that you guys praised Sotomayor. 
you know? I thought you were on our team. Obviously, you're all just a bunch of cucks and, 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 and closet liberals because, you know, because she's doing so much damage to the country. That's, that's, a, that's a disease, right? When somebody does something graceful and, and human and, and beautiful, like praising extensively your political opponent, that's an example that we can actually live together if we stop trying to force our opinion on other people. And, and so that's the thing that really is the only thing that really discourages me is that sense of, of us becoming infected with that absolutism, you know, with that, I'm in my trench and I'm going to die on this hill. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting in the trench too, right? I'm handing out hand grenades. But that doesn't mean that I can't respect at least some of what the people I'm uh, opposing are. And I have to remind myself constantly, constantly, that I am not fighting against individuals and I'm not even fighting against groups of people. I'm fighting against ideas. As the word says, man, it's like we don't struggle against flesh and blood. We struggle against powers of principalities and, and, and evil in heavenly places. So it's basically in summation, you're talking about an idea. Well, we don't want to be, you know, have this bitterness or, or this animosity necessarily for the person. You know, it's it's the things that they're thinking because, you know, it is like a disease. It'll eat you up. You know, this is why, the you know, the Lord says, you know, forgive. But people take forgiving as a sign of weakness. Forgiving is not weakness. It's not. It actually takes a lot of strength to forgive. I mean, obviously, forgiving people is really hard. You know, so what does it take to actually move something that's really hard? It takes strength. So it doesn't mean that there is the absence of just justice. It doesn't mean that there is the absence of rebuke or even retribution. It doesn't mean that. It just it means that you're not going to let this person live rent free in your head and just turn you into this bitter person because that just imprisons you. As the saying goes, it's like taking poison and expecting somebody else to die. You know, <laughs> so is it, it ain't going to do any good. So if she said something graceful, you know, yeah, she should be commended for it. She should be she should be thanked for it. Encourage it. You know, you, encourage it. You yes, want to see exactly. more of it? Encourage it. You know, that's why the Lord says, you know, you, kindness is is heaping hot coals on somebody's head. You know, if you, if you want this person to stop, she's definitely going to keep being a knucklehead if you're going to just, you know, talk a gang of crap about her. You know, there's there's uh, 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 diplomatic arguments to be made and, and keep it civil about what you disagree with. But she does something good. Hey, encourage it and keep that stuff coming. Um, <clears throat> you know, and this, you know, like, uh, you know, I had said, said earlier. I can agree. Yeah, the, the, this this yeah, a civil war. Sure, just, just depend, you kind of have to define what kind of civil war that we're in. You know, and, and like we said, it's more of a cold a, a cold version of it. Um, are there people dying? Yes, yes, people are dying. Not in the way that we expect. People are like, okay, we're going to draw lines on the battlefield. The Democrats are the ones out there drawing the lines. They're they're the ones you know making sure that people are dying. They're the they're ones the aggressors. I think there's no question about that. In fact, the idea of conservatism means keeping things the way they are. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are making the changes. They're the ones who are launching the invasion. But yes, you're absolutely right. Yes, yeah, and and you know even, even as far as Lincoln goes, you know people would say that Lincoln you know was this agent of northern aggression. He wasn't a northern aggressive or a, aggressive to the south. He was aggressive against Democrats. Yeah, and he didn't kick him out of the union either, you know, yeah, before he was before he came to Washington, before he was inaugurated. Yeah. You know, and, and Democrats, we see how Democrats are today. They are covetous people. You see how they are today. We know that they want to be inclusive and included in anything that you may have. They want to get a hold of your resources. They want to get a hold of whatever enterprise they just they have to be in it. They have to be represented in it. Well, Democrats in the North were the same way about the Democrats in the South. And Lincoln knew it. It's like Democrats. Hey, where you guys think you're going with all that slave market? We want some. You know, that's how Democrats work. You can't succeed. We keeping all this together and we're going to expand it. 
So Lincoln's like, oh, okay, so I, I see what your motivation is. My, my motivation is to end slavery. But if you guys want to go ahead and do it, that's what I need to get you on my team to get you guys to give me war power. Okay, that's what we're going to do. You know, so it's, but the, the, the bottom line is, is that there was this imagination, right? This imagination that those people aren't human and we can make them our property, you know? So that's what we can do. And Democrats are that same way today. And they're killing people by the millions under this imaginary idea that that kid in the womb is not human. It's my property. I'll do whatever, whatever I want to do. And if I want to kill it, that's fine. So that's where we still are to this very day. And they are so afraid. That's why I want to get down to this fear thing that's at the root of this, you know, um, this war, this cultural war that we're in. You know, people are dying. People are losing their businesses. People, things are becoming in short supply. You know, these, it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a war where people are out on the black battlefield shooting each other. There's another way that this, you know, uh, this, um, that we can have casualties. Um, and, Especially since when they govern, they rule the, the avenues of communication. We need to be mm-hmm. really very, very careful. Um, but fear, um, Bill, this fear that they have of not being able to have what they feel entitled to is driving them crazy. Or they're already nuts, right? But they feel entitled to be able to cancel, cancel culture, cancel a kid in the womb. And they feel entitled to your resources to be able to do it. They feel entitled to cancel out what they were born as and assume to re- be reborn as something else, even though they say that they can't change what they are. You know, But these are the things that they're caught up in and they're so afraid. They're so afraid that we're going to take that from them, but don't care. It's like, dude, you're trying to take real veal away from us. And that's the thing that starts. And the the spiritual implications of this, because that's what oh, more than a civil war, more than a cultural war, more than a political war. This is a spiritual war. And Absolutely. It, yes. One hundred percent. And agree. it manifests in there. And this Jesus that they say, <clears throat> excuse me. This Jesus that they say who says nothing about these things is the same one who says, look, uh, cowards, particularly cowards, you people who live in fear. You will not inherit the kingdom. And we can see what it is that cowardice does. A person who's too much of a coward to raise a kid and, and takes that cowardice and, set and kills the kid. A person mm-hmm. who's too cowardice to, be, to face what it is that they were born as and will kill themselves off and, and assume to be reborn as something else. And you have to accept it. And if you don't, there will be ramifications for it. And these things pr- spread poison in our culture. And this this fear that we're having to be led over to, these are the things that lead, this is the gunpowder that leads to the sparks, you know, of a civil war. Um, And like I said, it'll probably be done in a way that we don't even expect. And that's the subtlety of it. That's the frightening thing of it. If we're going to be afraid of anything, and that's the, the first thing said about the devil. That's the first description of him. He works in subtleties. Mm-hmm. And in this subtlety is where we can start seeing people dying around us without a shot fired and be like, wait, what the crap happened? Well, three things quickly to say about this. First of all, they are the aggressors because, as I said, conservatism is essentially saying leave things the way they are. We want to conserve these freedoms. They have attacked it. They've been attacking it for 40 or 50 years. They're afraid that they won't succeed and we're afraid that they will. Mm. And 
And so that's the, that's, that's the battlefield. If you look at the battlefield, you see exactly what you saw in the actual Civil War. The, the North, which I consider to be the good guys, getting their butts whipped again and again and again and again, defeat after defeat after defeat, and not just little defeats, a catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe. All of a sudden, Gettysburg comes along, and then after that, it's, it's all of the generals in the first half of the Civil War, all the great generals were in the South, and in the second half, all the great generals were in the North because the North had the persistence, which is what our other shows talk, talked about. And I see, looking down at the battlefield, I see that they, that, you know, they say that, they say that um, the wall that Pickett's charge broke against in Gettysburg, that's often referred to as the high water mark of the, of the Confederacy. It's as far north as they got, and it's also as successful as they got. Once they got turned away there, that's it. They never, they never came back from, from, from that. And I think we're well past that. I think the left is in full retreat, and I think they know it, and it's going to get ugly. There it is. So, so there's that. But the two things I have, Zoe, that give me a tremendous amount of hope, uh, the, the more minor of the two is what I mentioned with, with the Sotomayor thing. Not that she said it, but that I got to hear it. A lot of that's due to Scott Ott, who's constantly trying to cross these bridges and, 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 and prevent this kind of isolation. And he gets a lot of heat for that, which he doesn't deserve. Although God knows sometimes I want to just smack him. Uh, but he's, he's right to be doing that. Um, and so the fact that my, my take on the right angle was, well, what do you think about this? My take was by Sotomayor talk, praising, extensively praising um, Clarence Thomas, my respect for Sotomayor went up. Uh, it, human, it humanized her in a way that, you know, the wise Latina, had just not, I had a cartoon image of her, and, and, and for her to do that made me reevaluate what I thought about her. I still disagree with practically everything she, she, she says and does, but, but that was a human, decent, kind thing to do, especially with Thomas being under the fire he's under. That, was, that, was, that, that raised my opinion of her, and that's good, because that meant that a signal got across from these, these silos that they're digging us into, where all we hear is our own, our own opinion. But ultimately, the, the, the great hope for me is a very simple thing. And, and the, the best way for me to think of this or to describe it to you is as a Rubik's Cube, right? We see the country divided down the middle and a great deal of anger and in fact open hatred from one side towards the other right those damn conservatives those miserable uh, progressives right and that's the way the rubik's cube sits but if you twist it and turn it and you suddenly find yourself in a football stadium you've got packer fans on one side and you've got bears fans on the other and they hate each other too and the Packers fans are made up of conservatives and liberals, and the Bears fans are made up of conservatives and liberals. The, the dynamic has shifted. The people that used to be our enemies are now our allies. The people who used to be our allies are now our enemies. And, and so, really, when you get right down to it, the differences that we have are not really that, that strong. We, we constantly find ways to form new associations with people who we would be completely opposed to in other things. The problem is, the, the, and this is the strategy of the left, the problem isn't political difference. That's life. It's always been that way. The problem is, is that the left has been putting politics into everything. They put politics into sports. They put politics into, into, into entertainment. They put politics into schools. They put politics everywhere. And so now those political differences that used to be kind of mild, you know, as a Republican, some of those guys don't make much sense. But now, it's, now it's like open warfare because 
because prior to the, this, this assault, this invasion that the left law, uh, launched, you, you know, the difference between Republicans and Democrats were the Democrats were in favor of a 12% tariff and the Republicans were in favor of a 3% tariff. And, and it didn't affect your school. It didn't affect your, 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 your football game. It didn't affect your TV show. They were all neutral. They didn't have any politics in them. The answer to the problem is not going to war with half of the country. The answer to the problem is depoliticizing things that aren't political. Get politics out. And as we pointed out on, on my right angle this week, Disney stock has fallen 50% and it's on its way down. It's not going to stop. It's going to crater. And it's going to crater because Disney once represented the pinnacle of non-political entertainment. You, you look at Pinocchio or Snow White and there's no lecturing in there. There's no message for you, right? It, it was family-friendly, politically neutral stuff. It has become the wokest, gener the wokest corporation out there. And and people are abandoning it. It is collapsing in front of our eyes and it's unrecoverable. Disney is unrecoverable. Star Wars 2 and Star all of it. So, so the tide is turning in our favor. And, and what Disney, well, Disney's finished. Disney's finished because it got political. Some company will arise that won't be political and they'll learn their lesson for a while. And then we'll probably go through all this again because everything we do kind of is a big giant circle of, of forgetting what happened to us last time. But my point is, is that I am much, much less worried. I'll, no, I'll just be honest. I'm much less afraid than I used to be because I was watching their attack. I was watching Pickett's charge coming at me, you know? And now I feel like I'm watching them limping back to their lines. Lots of casualties on the field. We've taken some of our own, obviously. But I'm watching that, that wave that was coming at us. I watched it get stopped and I watched it turn around and now it's limping back home and now we're going to follow it back to where it is, and we're going to put these ideas in the garbage heap of history where they belong. Indeed, man. I'm looking forward, uh, forward to them living back home, and maybe it'll, it'll be another generation of that. Because Democrats have a history of being psychotic. You know, they're, you know they're, uh, when they didn't get their way, <clears throat> it wasn't so much that you could have this conversation with them. They, they start blowing up churches. Can I, I, can I just add one thing? Mm. Um, because this is something, too, when you think about wars and fighting and victory and defeat and all the rest of it. There's no question that the South is a much happier, healthier, wealthier place because the Confederacy lost. There's no question about that. There's no question that Germany and Japan are now much, much, much better places to live than they were prior to World War II. So sometimes uh, defeat can be a blessing. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of the Japanese, I know for a fact that the, 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 the Japanese who had to eat that surrender were heartbroken, probably never got over it. But now, but, but now they're no longer having, they no longer live in a society where some army general can just take out his you know, katana and, and cut your head off because you looked at him funny. Mm -hmm. and, and so goodness does prevail. Um, it's expensive like everything else that's worthwhile, but it does, it does prevail. And it's prevailing here too. Nice, nice. And, and at some point, you know, the Democrats realized that, OK, this hostility that we have, we're not going to be able to get away with it for a bit because they were beaten back, uh, not just in the 1860s, but in the 19s, you know, following the 1960s. And so they, they dialed back a bit. Uh, now they're resurfacing again and, you know, and going out with their with their belligerence. Um, you know, and it's interestingly enough, you know, they they went out, you know, uh, Trying to promote fear, you know, with like with the KKK, they're a terrorist organization. But why were they a terrorist organization? Because they were afraid of something themselves. 
You know, that's right. Something that the Democrats, there's something that they've always been afraid of. Uh, but mm-hmm. on a, uh, just while I'm thinking about it, uh, I think one of the reasons why people and, and this goes back to the fear thing, because people are afraid of feeling vulnerable. Uh, people are afraid of, of being manipulated. And maybe with Sotomayor, that's what people are feeling. You know, the, the, the Bible words about people who are uh, flattery. Right. That's where probably what see people are seeing, you know, so you, oh, it's all a deception. Yeah. She's a, yeah, but, yeah, but it's not. It's real. Said, you know, sometimes. But the thing is, you can't always be consumed by things like that. You know, it's like it's like, yeah, as we say, trust, but verify. She says some gracious, be gracious in, in the reception of it. You know, that's that's fine. Doesn't mean that you're open to manipulation by her. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, you're a sucker. You know, she says something nice. Just be gracious about it. It still makes you a bigger person. Um, don't you said it? You said it. Don't let it consume you, because if it consumes you and destroys you, then you're no longer in the fight, and we need you. Indeed. Don't let it consume you. Right. Right. And, and it's in the 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 fear factor. I, I kind of want to just kind of you know wrap up with this. You know, I'll, tr- I'll try to make it brief. I always try. Um, but the 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 fear factor that they have. It's like these people are, are terrified of us. And like I said, when people fear something, they're either going to try to control it or destroy it. And they're they're totally afraid of us. You know, they're afraid that we're going to take what it is that they feel entitled to away from them. And, you know, the, the, in, the, in the word, it's it's the, 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 the way the Lord puts it. He says, I will be the terror that goes before you. Right. I'm not looking for you guys to be terrifying, because if you're terrifying, they're going to try to destroy or kill you. Right. They were terrified of me. That's why they killed me. Right. So and they've always been terrified with me with the wrong kind of fear. It's supposed to be a reverential field, not not this kind of you you live in terror for me, because, of course, they're going to try to destroy that. And the, the narratives that they even capture to shape and change things. Uh, like even even from the very beginning. And these people are the ones who are there teaching and, and you get that apple on the desk, you know, that goes mm. back to that whole thing, because, you know, referring to the, to the Garden uh, of, of Eden. The funny I didn't thing realize is, that. Well, yeah, it's you know, that's because it's not the apple represents knowledge. Right? That's right. I never realized that. But the thing is, they've even used things like that to 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 take control of a narrative that never really was. The Bible doesn't even say that it was an apple. The Bible, what the Bible uh, gives is implications that it was more of a fig, because one thing for one, that was the first thing that they tre- reached out to grab to try to cover themselves was fig leaves. And the thing, but the reason why I bring that up is because when the Lord says, I'll be the terror that goes before you, who also says, I will send the hornet before you, the hornet being a subspecies of a wasp. And people are so terrified of people like us who are going to impose our holy morals on them. They're terrified of these things. They're terrified of like a person ducking out of the way of a wasp nest. But I think that's really interesting, Bill, because in this garden, when they reached out for fig leaves to cover themselves, the thing about the fig is that a fig is pollinated by wasps. And when a, when a, and you can see the sacrificial element of the wasp in it. The male wasp is born without wings and the Lord himself is implicated as being born uh, and made to be a little less than the angels, which do have wings. So the male wasp has no wings. It makes its way out, falls to die the same way Jesus came to earth to die. The female wasp goes and is going to pollinate another wasp. She's going to lose her wings and she's going to sacrifice herself so she can lay the other. The implication in nature 
from the very beginning of our creation is implicated in what the Lord is going to do in the sacrifices that he's going to make. But this Lord is this thing, is the wasp, the hornet that goes before us that these people are so afraid of. So we're watching these people just brim with fear and they want to take this fear out on us because we represent this God that they're so afraid of and how they're just so opposed to nature while claiming to be champions of nature and against this God who authored the laws of nature and demonstrates himself to us and give these, these implications of himself in nature. I just find it really ironic. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, unless you have anything else to add. No, well, we live in ironic times, my friend. Yes. But that's coming to an end. Yes, we do, man. It's, I, I can see Rod Sterling just spinning his grace. Man, man, I want some. Man, let me just, just let me write a script for this. But uh, and y'all, he would look at this. He'd look at the society and he'd say, "Nah, no, no one would buy this. No one, <laughs> it's it's too far, too far out for the Twilight Zone." Too fantastic, right? And and y'all, but that's that's what we want to do. You know, we want to be able to take these narratives. You you think that we can't? If we had the resources, we could make mind blowing media to show what this looks like, to give an example of what this looks like. You know, where people could say, "Go look, go look. You can see for yourself. Go look for Invisible." That's right. You got to check it out, man. That's it's 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 the pitch. That's the pitch of the year right there. You got to go see it. And I hope you I know you guys will be inspired to want to support and help uh, you to help us. We talk about a strong national defense. We need this defensive front. Amen. In the culture to get out there and to be able to connect with these people and with the resources, we will be able to do it. So we're counting on y'all. Thank you guys so much who are supporting right now. And uh, those who aren't supporting, we know that you guys, you know, you we know that you could if you would. We know times are tight. Absolutely, it's, yes. It's tight right now. And, yes, uh, we really appreciate it one way or another. And it's going to get tighter, though, if we don't hold the line. So, you know, it's, you know, just if you can dig in a little bit, you know, no pressure, no pressure. But you see how time to who, who's making it hard for us. So we got to swing back. Right. So thank go you. see Invisible. That's right. Go see Invisible. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Virtue Signal. For Bill Whittle, I'm Alfonso Rachel. We'll see you next time.